Hey, before we begin, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might be into. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls, hackers, and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel the giant mystery that is Russia with the help of those who know her best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former KGB spy. Join Global News Europe Bureau Chief Jeff Semple on a journey to find out how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. Listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying This Is Why. What's the motivation here? Money. It's clearly money. We're dealing with, in some cases, multi-million dollar frauds. Some Canadian pharmacists have figured out how to scam the government using a program designed to help needy people get their medication. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why. Doesn't it always seem like crooks find a way to exploit whatever program they can? The bigger the program, the easier it seems to be to find lapses in security where those scams can flourish. And that's exactly what's happening right now in Canada. Some pharmacies in Ontario are taking advantage of what's called the Ontario Drug Benefit Program. Blowing the lid off this has been the focus of the latest global news investigation in partnership with the Toronto Star. My name is Carolyn Jarvis, and I'm the chief investigative correspondent with Global News. Carolyn's been at the forefront of this investigation. She'll explain how the whole scam works. The Ontario Drug Benefit Program is a $5.4 billion annual program that provides drugs and some other pharmaceutical products to the neediest members of our society, elderly, children, the disabled, the poor. So if you qualify for ODB, let's just call it that. If you qualify for ODB, you can walk in with your OHIP card. That's your health card here in Ontario. And the government will pay for the bulk, if not all of the cost of your prescription product. Pharmacists, however, and in particular pharmacy owners, and sometimes their managers, have found a way to manipulate that system where they submit charges for the, to the government for products they never even dispensed, or in some cases, they never ordered from a drug supplier, and they still get reimbursed by the government, and they're pocketing that money. And those products can add up, in some cases, to hundreds of thousands of dollars in a very short period of time, like a couple of years. And in one case, we saw $2.5 million in two years. And ultimately, we don't really know exactly how much this is costing the taxpayers, do we? Well, we don't. I mean, we examined 39 cases of discipline. Those were all the ones we found that came before the Ontario College of Pharmacists in a five-year period. Some of those were simple administrative errors. Other other cases involved malicious intent, where pharmacists knowingly submitted fake claims to the government, trying to make a buck off the backs of the neediest in our society. But how many more aren't being caught was the bigger question we had. We mined numerous sources who told us that this practice, especially in community pharmacies, the small pharmacies that aren't mainstream, we're not talking about shoppers or Rexall or the big names you and I are all familiar with, the one-off shops, 
Those sources told us that it is a widespread practice that happens in those pharmacies. There's no way for us to verify what those sources are saying because you, we can't personally audit all of them. But if we're seeing 39 cases of discipline, sources tell us there are many more that aren't being disciplined. So who was the whistleblower that, that blew the lid off of this? Well, investigative journalists in this case, it was a team of journalists from both Global News' investigative unit and the Toronto Star that created this massive database. It was painstaking. We took months on this of all disciplinary records through the Ontario College of Pharmacists. And it was this trend we saw emerge very quickly of pharmacists repeatedly getting disciplined over and over and over for what we saw were ODB infractions. We thought, what is that? What, why is this happening with such regularity? And we realized very quickly that this trend was a thing, that pharmacists had found a way to put money and line their own pockets on the backs of taxpayers. And we started seeing that trend emerge and wanted to dive into it further. It wasn't after we started digging very deep into this topic that we developed very deep sources that confirmed our suspicion that this was happening and more often than the numbers were indicating. And one of those sources is a guy that you call the cleaner. The cleaner is a man who says he assists with people who want to make money off the backs of the taxpayer. He's a man who comes in to, quote, clean up the books to make it look like this pharmacy fraud has never even happened. So a pharmacist who is scamming the system would call the cleaner and say, I'm in trouble. I'm about to be audited or I just have been audited and I won't have the proper records to account for all of these claims that I put through the government. I never order these drugs or I never actually dispense these drugs. And they're in a panic. He says the people who call them are call them are scared and afraid. And so it's his job to come in. And he says in as in as little as a few hours, he can easily jimmy the books. So it looks as if those pharmacists had ordered the products and dispensed the products. So everything looks as it should be. And the auditors who come in won't see anything off in the system and the pharmacist will then get away with the scheme. You sat down face to face with the cleaner, although you've kept his identity unknown. What do people call you? Cleaner. Because you clean up the books. Yeah. He's the one crooked pharmacists call when they're about to get audited. These are his words, but not his voice. When you get those phone calls, what do they sound like on the other end? Scared, afraid, because the possibility exists that their whole pharmacy could be shut down. The possibility exists to going to jail. It's fraud over 5,000 in most cases. Why are pharmacists doing this? Because they cannot make money. They cannot make a living. When auditors start sniffing around, they ask for purchase invoices and dispensing records to prove drugs were given to real patients. If the pharmacy is overbilling and they never ordered the medication, they can transfer the medication from other pharmacies. How do you get a transfer form from another pharmacy? Everybody likes money. And everybody gets paid off. All the time. He estimates he's helped a hundred pharmacists avoid being caught over the past five or six years and says it's almost always the pharmacy owner who's behind the scam. And neither a patient nor their doctor would know it's happening. And so with few checks in place, and only 6% of pharmacies inspected by the ministry last year, shady owners are literally banking on getting away with it. In your opinion, what percentage of pharmacists who are overbilling the Ontario Drug Benefit Plan are getting caught? Two, three percent. So the data we've seen on the people are getting caught. Sloppy pharmacists. 
he's in it to make money. The people who are helping him fake transfer forms from other pharmacists, they're making a buck off of this. Money talks. Did he seem to have any moral shame about what he was doing? Well, we asked him if we thought what he was doing was wrong, and he thought, yeah, maybe, uh, but... He didn't He didn't talk about having huge remorse for it. No, that's not something that really emerged. I mean, he was aware that, that what he was doing wasn't necessarily proper. <laughs> you, you could say that. What's your motivation? Same thing as everybody, making money. Coming up later in this episode. In total, from the fall of 2010 to 2012, Amin overbilled the government roughly $900,000. Meet some of the pharmacists behind these scams and find out just how much they benefited. While the fraud was underway, he bought this lavish home by the water, complete with indoor swimming pool and home theater. You're listening to This Is Why, a national radio show and podcast from Global News. You can download and subscribe online now. Pharmacists can't make a living running these small community pharmacies competing against the big chains. So some pharmacies in Ontario are ripping off the government by exploiting a drug program that helps people in need. So they're finding a way to make a few extra bucks here and a few extra bucks there by scamming the system in some cases. These pharmacies are billing the government for drugs they never actually handed out. It's all about making money. At the front of this investigation for Global News has been Carolyn Jarvis. We did identify 39 cases that where they were caught and how many others exist out there where they're not, as to the cleaner who says, you know, he's helped 100 over six years. We don't know. Carolyn's investigation introduces us to a couple of those pharmacists who've been caught. She shows us who they are, what their motivation was, and how they benefited off of scamming the government, which, of course, you know, means scamming the taxpayer. Eamon Michael owned multiple pharmacies in Hamilton, including the Wilson Medical Center Pharmacy. It's where, for two years, from late 2009 to 2011, Michael took taxpayers on a ride for $2.5 million dollars. While the fraud was underway, he bought this lavish home by the water, complete with indoor swimming pool and home theater. Eamon Amin was flagged by the ministry because she was claiming an unusually high number of diabetes test strips, hundreds of thousands of them. She owned and managed Newer Drug Mart in Mississauga, and when auditors came asking for invoices in October 2012, several of the ones she gave them were false. And when confronted, she asked the inspector for a favor to disregard them. In total, from the fall of 2010 to 2012, Amin overbilled the government roughly $900,000. She admitted to the college she submitted fake claims and said an abusive husband combined with financial stress and health problems made her do it. We were hoping to speak with her, but she never did come to the door. So I'm a pharmacist, I have been overbilling the government, and I'm one of the 39 who have been caught. What kind of repercussions do I face? It's, it's wide-ranging. Uh, most often, a slap on the wrist. In extreme cases, jail time. So the case I alluded to earlier, that was $2.5 million of fraud. There was a criminal conviction there, and the pharmacist went to jail for two years less a day. So provincial time in jail. That's a very serious sentence. He pleaded guilty to fraud, 
repaid the money, had his license revoked, and was sentenced to two years less a day in jail. He's out now, and we wanted to speak with him. Personally, I think it wasn't fair, but I mean, overall, like, he did something wrong. You do admit that you did something wrong? Well, I mean, definitely, yeah, but I mean, was, was it really proportional? I was having bad debts, and I had major depression. So, like, snowballing, bad bookkeeping, bad supervision, relying on other people to do the job. But curiously, after Michael was caught, overbilling was uncovered at another one of his pharmacies, Mount Cross, which he co-owned with his wife, Safa Iskander. Auditors discovered that from the summer of 2010 to the summer of 2012, the pharmacy overbilled more than $160,000. Eamon Michael was once again accused by the college of submitting fake claims, but his hearing hasn't happened. His wife admitted to the college she submitted charges she knew were false. I don't deny anything. You think I'm stupid? Don't try to ask a question and get answered. I'm not answering any question. She repaid the money, but was never criminally charged. And after a 14-month suspension, she can practice pharmacy today. But of our database that identified 39 cases of discipline, only two people were criminally charged. Only one person went to jail. And we identified a handful of other cases that were in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Eman Amin was flagged by the ministry because she was claiming an unusually high number of diabetes test strips. Hundreds of thousands of them. Eman Amin was never criminally charged. She repaid the money and walked away from her pharmacy. Now, after a 16-month suspension, she can practice pharmacy once again. In her case, there were no criminal charges. There were no provincial regulatory charges. She pays the money back and she has a license suspension from the college. And technically, she can be a pharmacist again today. She's not, but she could be if she wanted to. So paying the money back seems to be the most consistent punishment that's leveled against these pharmacists who overbill the government. But charges are rare and convictions are exceedingly rare. Well, you're right then when you said most of the time it's just a slap on the wrist because that's exactly what it seems to be. This is white collar crime for you. And in this particular instance, proof is very hard to come by because you can't exactly prove who submitted a false claim. Was it the manager? Was it the owners? And prosecuting these cases is very challenging. So you're right. And often, oftentimes people walk away with little more than a slap on the wrist. Have you heard any reaction yet from the government on this? Not from the government. And it's, I have to say, as an investigative journalist, that's disappointing because we believe we've identified shortcomings in the system that in some cases could be easily rectified, like introducing more inspectors, um, having 10 ministerial inspectors for 4,200 pharmacies in the province points to the fact that you're only going to be audited, well, 6% of pharmacies are going to be audited in any given year. And pharmacists are literally banking on the fact that they can get away with this undetected. We think that there could be easy remedies to fix what we think are issues and problems within this system. And it's disappointing when we repeatedly ask both the Department and the Ministry of Health in Ontario for comment or to sit down with us to have an informed discussion so that our viewers, listeners and readers can be part of this um, that they say no. That's that's disappointing. So we will do our job as journalists and persistent pursuers of the truth, and we will go down and and ask them outside the legislature or outside of question period uh, what their reaction to our findings are. We have, however, received response from 
people who use the system, people who rely on the Ontario Drug Benefit Program, who have said very interesting things to us, such as, huh, I was wondering why when I go into my pharmacy, a small community pharmacy, and I have 10 refills on my prescription, and I walk in and they say, you've only got one left, where the other nine went? Who billed for those nine behind my back? And for some people, this is adding up and making a lot of sense, or people who knew that their pharmacist was doing this all along. So those stories are coming out of the woodwork, and it's very interesting to hear. Your report focuses on Ontario, but is it safe to speculate that this exact scam could be running in other provinces all across this country. The lesson I've learned as an investigative journalist is when there is a publicly funded system and a gap or a loophole in that system, people will find a way of exploiting it. And it's it's a journalist's job as well as the government's job to make sure that those holes are exposed and remedied. Carolyn, thank you so much for the conversation. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, after Carolyn and I spoke, she actually caught up with Christine Elliott, the Ontario Health Minister, in the halls of the legislature. It's okay. I got it. Okay. This was very, very decent of you. Oh, Thank you. Pleasure. I appreciate it. Hi. Hi. Nice I appreciate you. not chasing you down a hallway right no, now. No, no. <laughs> Doug will let me know when we're ready. Perfect. We've identified through our investigation with the Toronto Star a concerning level of pharmacy fraud through the Ontario Drug Benefit Program. We're wondering if this is something uh, that you're aware of now and you're going to be addressing. Yes, I, I am aware of it. It is something that I take very seriously, obviously, um, because we want to get best value for all of our health care dollars. They're scarce and people expect us to use them wisely. So we are working with the ministry, uh, with the Ontario College of Pharmacists, to uh, collaborate with them through their investigation. And we want to uh, find out what's happening and, and make sure that we deal with that quickly and, and cooperate, of course, with the college in every respect. One of the potential problems people brought to our attention was just the sheer number of investigators. There are only 10 ministerial investigators and 4,200 pharmacies. Might you increase the number of investigators in the province? Well, I think we'll have to wait and see what the investigation demonstrates. And, and if that is a cause of the problem and of the concern, then of course we'll take a look at that, yes. I just want to make sure I'm understanding your words that you say we'll have to see what the investigation indicates. You mean you will be investigating this? Or? Well, that's something that the, the college will be taking a look at, but we are cooperating with them in the investigation. From the ministry side, of course, we want to know what's happening and then what steps need to be taken by the college or by the ministry. So it's probably going to be on both sides that action will need to be taken. Are you saying the college is starting some sort of investigation? I'm not clear on that. Well, any work that they are doing that we want to collaborate with them. So we, they have not spoken with us specifically about what they're doing, but we want to make sure that we can collaborate with them in any, any requests that they have of us. My understanding, though, is that the audit process is completely distinct. So the ministry does its own audit, the college does its own audit, and charges are laid just after the ministry does its audit. It has nothing to yes. do with the college, in fact. So it's the number of ministry auditors that are at hand yes. that seems to be the bottleneck here. Might there be more ministry auditors? There might, yes, absolutely. As I say, we are still discussing the situation within the ministry, but that might be one of the solutions. I can't comment specifically right now because uh, we haven't reached final conclusions. And just Sorry, lastly, I'm getting like church, a final question. Um, a pharmaceutical expert said to us, if we had simple technology that just documented when prescriptions were dispensed by a pharmacist, even yes. a doctor could then see, oh, hey, my patient had these things dispensed to them, or yes. maybe they didn't, these were false claims. 
and that it's long overdue in, in Ontario. Other provinces have this. Yes. Is this something we could get in Ontario? Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with you that we need to um, use technology more. There are uh, many digital tools that are out there that can help us to deal with that, and we need to take advantage of them. That's what we're talking about with our plan for transformation for healthcare. Thank you, Minister Elliott. I appreciate your time. Very nice Thank to you. See you. I appreciate Thank you. you stopping. Thank okay. you. That's very nice of you. I'm going to get on. When the government becomes aware of fraud, they're actually really good at getting their money back. The Ministry of Health recouped almost $40 million in overbilled payments in the last five years. Once identified, almost all overbilled amounts are recovered. How is this possible? Because overbilled amounts are just simply taken off the next payment to that pharmacy. The recovery occurs almost immediately. But often years before pharmacists actually face criminal charges or disciplinary proceedings, if they ever do. And the government could be missing millions more in fraud that they haven't yet detected. This is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. It's a national radio show and a podcast. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. Give us a rating and a review. Tell your friends about the show as well and pass on the good word. We're on Twitter at This Is Why. And you can always send us show ideas. This is why at CuriousCast.ca. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. 